Do you believe that today? That God is greater and stronger and higher than any other? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for the fact that you are the God above all other gods. That you are stronger. We need that strength, Lord. Um, we, we depend upon you. We cry out to you for your help. Lord, I pray that as I open up your word that you would, you would allow me to preach it with, with accuracy and, and with the ability to exalt your holy name, to remind us of your great power and your strength and who we are in your son, Jesus Christ. Pray in his name. Amen. Well, today is a great day. We got to uh, have the privilege of launching Marketplace. And I know that this has been a dream of uh, this church for, for some time. And um, what an awesome, awesome experience. I remember just a few years ago, uh, Lori and I were teaching up in the Resource Center. We had about eight to ten college students. And um, now, you know, there's 50 strong, or maybe I should say 50 weak, because our God is the one who's really strong. And, um, and it's been so, so encouraging. And now we're sending at least that number over to the campus to try to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. Well, I've been thinking a lot about marketplaces. And, um, you know, uh, this past May, you actually sent me to India, to Kolkata, India. And uh, I got to visit a marketplace. Um, I was staying with Jack and Lorraine Chang, one of our global partners, and they were, uh, you know, Lorraine was getting up early. It was about 6.30 in the morning, and she was going off to the marketplace. And I said, hey, can I come join you? And she's like, John, it's kind of a nasty place. I don't know if you really want to go. I said, no, I, I do. I really want to go. And so we walk out, and people are sleeping on the streets. And, and uh, finally we get to the marketplace, and um, we see this, this, first, this first picture. And uh, I'm just amazed at the beauty there's flowers, fresh-cut flowers, just ready to buy for the day. I thought, wow, this isn't so bad. But then I turned and went to the next booth, if you could call it that, or next section. And, um, you know, here's some, some fish right there, caught the night before. And um, if you like fresh fish, there it is, right there, ready to go. Of course, no refrigeration or anything, 40 degrees Celsius. So you want to probably cook it up real quick. Um, and then I carried on into uh, the marketplace, and we saw the produce. And uh, can you imagine this? I look, and I see all these mangoes, and I see these apples. And I notice there's a little white label on it. And you know what the label says? Produced in Washington. It's like, these apples came all the way from North America to Kolkata, India, so they could enjoy our produce. Wow. Next section I went to was a darkly lit room. And um, in this dark little room, there's a whole bunch of eggs. And uh, you can see all those eggs there, just piles of them. And um, it was darkly lit because they have those light bulbs. And you know why they have those light bulbs? So you can hold the egg up to the light bulb to make sure the chick's not in there. Okay? Better eat those eggs pretty quickly, don't you think? No refrigeration against. Again, probably wouldn't pass code here in Durham region. So... The next section was uh, where these eggs originated from. Where are some chickens? You know, it's the old saying, the egg before the chicken, which comes first. Of course, the chicken came first. But uh, you have some chickens there that you could have. And um, 
if you are wanting to, uh, to eat them that day. The next slide. He'll just butcher them right there for you. Isn't that nice? You can see it right there going on. Now, as, as you go through a marketplace, you find that it can be a pretty scary place, isn't it? Many of us want to avoid the marketplaces of life. Um, it, we don't maybe know the language. We don't know how people think. We think we're going to get ripped off. It can be really challenging. It's, it's stinky. It's dirty. The question for you today is, what is your marketplace? What is your marketplace? And I'm talking to, uh, to many of you, my small group or in other, other places, I realize that in your marketplace, your school, your community, your job, that the marketplace can be a difficult place. It can be a dirty place. You may not always agree with the values and the, the, the language that goes on there. It can be a struggle. And some of us, um, I know, are so frustrated with what goes on in the marketplace. It's just something you, you go to and you get in and get out, and you don't really want to spend too much time there. May I challenge you on that? What if a king was to go with you into the marketplace? And what if that king is the king of kings? And he's bringing you along to give you a new role. A new role as an ambassador, his ambassador. Would that change things for you? And what if that that role as ambassador, his ambassador, is not just an ambassador of goodwill to do good, but to be truly good. To, To go and to live out the dreams and desires of the king. Would that change for you? To realize that the marketplace, those sections in life that sometimes you feel like are avoided and are difficult and people are thinking differently than you, that you have a mission as an ambassador of reconciliation. The Apostle Paul embraced this truth. We find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 9. I'd ask you to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 9. We've actually already read this today. I love it when the Holy Spirit works things out. Rebecca, in that testimony that she gave, she read from from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And she reminded us of this truth. How cool is that? When God just orchestrates everything, puts them all together. I'm going to start in verse 9. Probably in your Bible, some of you say that uh, it's this whole section of the ministry of reconciliation should start in verse 11. I think it actually starts in verse 9. So I'm going to start there. If you need to look up and find out where 2 Corinthians is, check in the table of contents. And uh, you can find it right there and then turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 9. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must appear all before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we're... We are in our right mind. It is for you. 
For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Almost underline that. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, we beg you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul understood this truth, that we are really our Christ ambassadors. Now some of you say, John, okay, I'm Christ ambassador. What does that really mean? What credentials do I have as Christ ambassadors? What, what makes um, this not just be an ambassador of goodwill, but how can I really be truly good? Well, God is the one. The king is the one who's sending you out as his ambassadors. I'm going to give you a number of credentials that I think will really encourage you and help you to go into those marketplaces of life. Number one, I want to remind you that you are chosen. You are chosen. You have been chosen by the king as his ambassadors. It's not that you deserve it. It's not that you demand it, but you've been chosen. Where do I find this? Well, I think one of the summary statements is actually in verse 18 where it says, All this, talking about all this that Paul is explaining about what we are, is from who? God. It's from God. Now, when you think about ambassadors, you usually think of, you know, people who, you know, get, get patronage or special favor because they, they paid uh, for a nice contribution to, to a, a leader of a country or to the political party they represent. And so that's why a lot of times these ambassadors are, are chosen or selected. But when we're chosen, it's not because of what we have done, but what Christ has done and his grace and what, what the king has done. You know, maybe you found yourself, you were chosen for, um, for some sports team or you were chosen for an award, an academic award, or maybe you were chosen for a promotion. And, and what creeps into our mind is that, you know, we, we, we deserve that. We worked really hard. In this case, we find that in this passage that, that the king is choosing us not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done and what he wants to do through us. Verse 15, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for him and was raised again. So I want to remind you that your high honor comes from God. Your high honor comes from God. Do not take pride in it. But let others take pride in what God is doing through you. It can't be about us. So verse 12 says, We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, 
Not that we're trying to put ourselves forward, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. It can't be about us and, and, and making our projects and our efforts look good so that we look like these great ambassadors. No, we only represent the king. We're only about to bring about his glory and bring about benefit to others so that he is glorified and he is praised. So we're chosen. Second of all, we need to understand that because we're chosen, that this, this appointment is lifetime. And it's a lifetime of pleasing the king. Verse 9, jumping back to verse 9, we see this. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home, in the body, or away from it. Now, I, I did a little study on ambassadors of, of present day. This is maybe not what Paul was thinking at this time, but, but what, what, we, what, what happens nowadays. And um, I learned some things about ambassadors. One of them, especially here in Canada, is this. Listen to what, what, uh, what is true about the term ambassador. Some countries do not use the term ambassador while an ambassador is in, in their home country. As an office holder is not an ambassador there. For example, a Canadian ambassador, while in Canada, is not generally addressed as ambassador, although he or she may be referred to as Canadian ambassador too, dot, dot, dot. That is, with reference to a specific job function, the person is addressed or styled as ambassador only while holding such office. So, in other words, the Canadian ambassador, let's say, to Sudan, is only addressed as ambassador in Sudan. That's an important point to remember. That we as Christ's ambassadors are in a strange land. We are in the marketplace. We are his ambassadors. This is not our home. Our home is to be in heaven with Jesus. And so we need to continue on and persevering in faithfulness in representing him as Christ's ambassadors. So I want to ask you, are you persevering as the king's ambassador? Are you giving up and saying, you know what, I, I think the assignment's done? No, the specifics of, of the different roles and, and, and how you play in life and serving the king change. But not the ultimate role of being Christ's ambassador. It continues on until heaven. And we continue to, to make every effort to please him as his representatives. Thirdly, Our third credential is this, that we're accountable to King Jesus. Kind of this flows out. We're pleasing, but then he's going to hold us accountable, as any good king would. Verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. All of us will appear before the king's throne for reward for all of our actions. That's really important to remember. It's really important to remember. We do not, as Christ ambassadors, get diplomatic immunity for doing whatever we want. I love what David Bosch says. He said this, Christians are not at liberty to talk about Jesus in any way they choose. We have to be accurate with the king's message. Now, it's not just being accurate with the king's message. It also has the attitude, the authenticity that goes with that. Have you ever been in a situation maybe with, um, uh, let's say, middle management comes to you? Or maybe it's a teacher at school, you know? The teacher at school comes to you and says, uh, you know, I, I just want to let you know that the principal has made these, these, um, these rules. 
And I, I don't really agree with them, but you know, we need, to, we need to do what's right. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been in those situations where somebody is, is, is the messenger? And they might even say, don't shoot the messenger, right? Do you think that works if we apply that same principle as Christ's ambassadors? Say, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know that there's a God and uh, he loves you. And um, yeah, Jesus, he died for your sins. But then you don't live it out. And you don't say, wow, I really agree with this message. I support it in every way. I, I, I've embraced this fully. As Christ's ambassadors, we have to, to fully, accurately communicate God's message and then authentically live it out. So are you accurately and authentically communicating the message of the king? Ask yourself that question. If not, here's how you get back on track. Look at verse 14. We are compelled by the king's love. Look at this. For Christ's love compels us. It's the motivation. It really is the motivation for life. As Christ's ambassadors. Why do we love others? Why do we love others? Because Christ first loved us. Now, I love it what it goes on to say in verse 14. It says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. The love of Christ is always cross-centered. It always finds its hope and its motivation in the cross. It's the example for us. It motivates us to go tell the message. And it is the message. Now, honestly, maybe you young people, I don't know, you know, you've tried to live for Christ on your campus. And uh, you realize that it's hard and that often you're misunderstood. But you're trying to live for, out of love for God. I, I think back to Mikhail Jean last year. Remember her? Our governor general. Um, and when she went to Nunavut. And uh, she got to Nunavut and they had just uh, killed a seal. And they had a big feast. And so they brought the, the seal in front of her and offered her some seal meat. What would you do? Mikhail Jean made the right call. So did her husband. They ate. And people around the world got really upset about that. And um, Peter got really upset about it. But do you think the people of none of it were upset? The people that she was going to as an ambassador? No, not at all. I think that was actually one of her finest moments. I ask you. Are you like Paul? You don't consider people from a worldly point of view, verse 16? From now on, we no longer uh, regard people from a worldly point of view. You see them as people who are loved by Jesus Christ, who, are di- who, who Christ died for. Are you willing to go to the people God has called you and live among them, really live among them, even if it means being criticized by others? Um, this past Christmas, uh, we, we've really, God's really blessed blessed uh, Lori and I in our neighborhood, and we've been able to, to develop quite a bit of relationships with our neighbors. And this past Christmas, we invited them over for um, a Christmas party. And uh, a number of them came. The, the living room was full. 
And, uh, you know, we didn't ask them to bring any gifts or anything, but they brought some gifts. And a bunch of those gifts were bottles of wine and cans of beer. You know, they brought, one lady brought a can of beer in because I think she was nervous, you know, you know. And it was kind of like a security blanket for her. And she says, is it okay if I drink? And I'm like, sure, you know. Never thought I'd have alcohol in my house. Um, <laughs> drinking beer. Uh, I didn't drink it, okay, just to let you know that. Um, but, uh, you know, my kids were like, well, Daddy, I thought you, you know, we don't drink. And I'm like, what we do is we love these people. We love these people. We welcome them. We be hospitable to them. Even if it means being criticized by some. Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. Fifthly, we need to represent the new creation, which is really the kingdom. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. This is so important. See, Christ's love compels us and has changed us. And the new has come. See, our gospel is not a gospel of just forgiveness, but a gospel of reconciliation, of freedom. What's the difference? Well, let's say, let's say Lori and I have a little disagreement. And um, I, just, I was just an idiot again, and I did something really dumb. And, um, you know, she, she, in God's grace, she, she says, I forgive you. And um, yet I, I still want to stay mad, okay? Forgiveness has occurred. But reconciliation hasn't really, has it? We haven't been fully restored to relationship. And too often, how this plays out in how we present the gospel is we say, you know what, God loves you. He, uh, he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to live a sinless, perfect life, take your place on a cross, and you can have forgiveness of sins. You can have forgiveness of sins. You just gotta, you just gotta accept Jesus. But we do not emphasize the fact that that Forgiveness is the first step in the process towards reconciliation, that now you're in right relationship with each other, and you can go on in freedom and truly be Christ's ambassadors and be about his mission. It's an important distinction. If we just stay at the forgiveness level, we got to get to the reconciliation level and go on in, 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 in living in freedom. I think Michael Horton kind of understands this. I want to read this kind of long quote to you. And... Um, you won't be able to write it down. If you want to check it out, you can check on our website and uh, go on our sermon notes, small group questions. You'll be able to see it there. It says, The heart of most religions is good advice, good techniques, good programs, good ideas, and good support systems. These drive us deeper into ourselves to find our inner light, inner goodness, inner voice, or inner resources. Nothing new can be found inside us. There's no inner rescuer deep down in my soul. I just hear echoes of my own voice telling me all sorts of crazy things to numb my sense of fear, anxiety, and boredom, the origins of which I cannot truly identify. But the heart of Christianity is good news. It comes not as a task for us to fulfill, a mission for us to accomplish, a game plan for us to follow with the help of life coaches, but as a report that someone else has already fulfilled, accomplished, followed, and achieved everything for us. Good advice may help us in daily direction. The good news concerning Jesus Christ saves us from sin's guilt and tyranny over our lives and the fear of death. 
It's good news because it does not depend on us. It's about God and his faithfulness to his own purposes and promises. We believe in the gospel, which is good news. It's not just good history about a transaction that God did so long ago on a cross. It's about good news today and the reconciliation that he is giving us today to live in freedom. And God is still doing a new thing. Things beyond your wildest dreams fulfill his, his dreams. Have you heard of any messages of reconciliation lately? This past summer, we got to visit some old friends where we used to live. And um, there was one couple that, um, when we were there, that we'd really struck up a friendship, and they served alongside us. And, and after we left uh, nine years ago, we, we heard uh, later on that this couple's relationship can, can completely deteriorated to the point where they're divorced. And um, so uh, Ron was living separately from his wife, um, Tracy and the four kids. And it was, just, it was just really devastating news, you know? You ever had an experience that? You just, it hurts a lot. And um, we'd called once, once uh, before and found out about this news and been praying for them. Well, this past summer when we went back to, to Genesee, Illinois, um, we had a gathering just to kind of catch up. And uh, Lauren and I looked over, and here was Ron and Tracy. They were walking towards us. And the four kids. We were like, what? And we said, what, what are you guys doing here? And they said, well, hey, we're, we're going to come see you and let you know that uh, God's doing something in our lives. He's reconciling us. Fast forward to this Christmas, and uh, Lori was uh, sending out some Christmas cards to people far away, and she, she uh, Facebooked Tracy to try to get their address. And um, she, uh, she got news back. Tracy said, hey, I guess so I didn't let you know, but Ron, Ron and I got remarried in October. Only God can do that. God is doing a new thing. He's doing an acts of reconciliation. Do you believe that God can do that in your life? That he can repair those relationships that are broken? That he can, he can mend things that are so ripped apart in your life? He has given us a message of reconciliation. And why do we have a message of reconciliation? Because God has done a new thing. He's about a new kingdom. The king is doing new things. Do you want to find him? First of all, this is the six credentials. You need to personally experience it yourself. Personally experience the message embodied. Verse 18 says that God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love what Scott Bourne says. Reconciliation is not about individuals having the right belief system. It's not just got to be up in our minds, but but a people who are lined up and living according to the ways of God. Do you have a story to tell about how the the king has changed you and has commissioned you to be his Christ, to be his ambassadors? Do you have a story? I'll tell you about uh, a lady in our church who has a story to tell. Maybe some of you know Mary Reed. 
Um, Mary Reed, uh, about 20 years ago, had a friend. And um, her friend, at Christmas time, got a call. And it was one of those devastating calls. Her newlywed daughter and son-in-law were both killed in a car accident. And uh, Mary and some others just gathered around this, this, this grieving mother and uh, really tried to support her. In a little while, that grieving mother came back to, to Mary and uh, her friends and said, you know what, I just, I just so appreciate how you've been with me through this difficult time. Um, you know, you, you, you were like Jesus. You know, we were at Christmas and it was Emmanuel, God with us. Christ was living through you with us. That was really important. But I want to tell you about some things I've learned about grief. And I want to, I want to share some things that maybe would help you to help others when, when you encounter such loss. And so um, Mary listened and others listened. And what came out of that was a support group called HOPE, which stands for Helping Others Through Pain and Grief Experiences. And since Mary was a nurse, registered nurse, she had connections in the medical community to doctors and psychiatrists. And so for the last 20 years, doctors and psychiatrists who encounter people who have suffered great loss send people to Mary's group. Isn't that awesome? All Mary did was care and try to live out the kingdom for one person. And out of that, God used to be an ambassador of reconciliation. And some say, well, I, I can't start a support group ministry. You don't have to. You just have to live for the king in the place that God's called you to, your marketplace. See what happens. Let the king do the work from there. You can do that in your school. I want to encourage you that you're never too young. Look at these young people who are going up to the marketplace today. God's going to call you guys if you will embrace this message of reconciliation in your life too. You have to personally experience it. And here's where it leads to us this final credential. To become the righteousness of God the King. I love this, verse 21. This is where Paul ends. But God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you catch that? Become the righteousness of God? Listen to what Richard Hayes says about this verse. He says, Paul's extraordinary affirmation of the purposes of God's reconciling work in Christ is that while we might become the righteousness of God, He does not say that we might know about the righteousness of God, nor that we might believe in the righteousness of God, nor even that we might receive the righteousness of God. It's not about just receiving it. It's not about knowing about it. Instead, this is what Hay says, the church is to become the righteousness of God, where the church embodies in its life together the world reconciled love of Jesus Christ. The new creation is manifest. The church incarnates the righteousness of God. If you are trying to bring goodness and righteousness to people, all you have to do is show up. Because the king is going with you, and you become the righteousness of God in every place you go into that marketplace. 
I'd encourage you not to think of it this way, to think of trying to talk somebody in to something they don't want. Instead, we're to show people something that they need, that they don't have. Tonight, I want to encourage you to come back. I want to show you how to do that. I want to leave this this challenge with you. I want you to, to remember that the king of kings has charged you to become his ambassadors. To go and live out the dreams and desires of the king. I love how Jack Magruder puts it this way. He uh, is a student of, of medieval history. You know, medieval history with the, the knights and the, the kings and the queens and Camelot and all those kinds of things. Well, when you usually think of knights, don't you usually think of grabbing a sword, Pastor Duane? You know, like, that's, that's, you go out there and you fight these battles. But the knight actually had a day job. The knight's job was to live out the dreams and, de- and desires of the king. So let's say the king was benevolent. And he said, I want to just eliminate all homelessness in my kingdom. And you're a knight. And so in your region of responsibility, it might be, it might be a large area, it might be a small area, but you're responsible to make sure that no one is homeless. That's what I've ordered. That's my dream. That's my desire. It was the knight's responsibility to do that. Orphans, the king says, they're going to be taken care of. Widows, they're going to be taken care of. And my knights are going to be the ones who are to do it. Ambassadors of reconciliation. You've been given a charge. You've been given a commission. You are to live out the dreams and desires of the king. Will you do that? What dream and desire of the king does he want you to take to your marketplace? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who has reconciled us to you and now given us a message and ministry of reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would help us to embrace this, that we would, we would we'd strive to live out your dreams and desires for this world. And we would see people changed. Oh God, please help us to, to know that we will be held accountable for this someday. And that your strength and your, your, your uh, great power is what makes us available to even do this. The weirdest to represent you. So we pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit, calling upon you, Lord and Father, to to encourage us along the way and to know that your Son, Jesus the King, goes with us. We pray in his name. God's people said, Amen. When with Christ we stand in glory. Until that day, we have been given a charge to live out the dreams and desires of the king as his ambassadors. Will you go do that? You were released, church, to do it. Christ called you to. Go do it in his power and strength. Let's pray. Father, with your great mighty power as the king of kings, Lord of lords, through your son Jesus, we claim the promises that he has given us. Help us to feel emboldened to go into our marketplace with this message. 
and live it out. Help us, Lord, for your great glory's sake, that the nations would be one for you, we pray. In Jesus' name, and God's people, as Christ's ambassador said, amen.